Tama Shabakarada, welcome to the show! We have to address the elephant in the room. I think that's really out of turn. <laughs> The fact is, Lo Tia Kyung knew it, Pritam knows it. We're gonna get the truth from you, huh? It's the episode you've all been waiting for. This is your daily catch-up. Then, are you part of our race to 100k by the end of the year? Yeah, no. Then you're part of this 50%. Please go down and subscribe and we love you. Get us to 100k. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Okay, back to the episode. Good afternoon, Singapore! We got a very friendly man here with us today, and he's none other than Mr. Tama Shabakarada. Welcome, hey, welcome. welcome to the show! Hey, welcome! Welcome to the show! Oh, oh, cheers, yeah. cheers, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know the wedding person that will do Yeah. Yeah, your energy is The thing is, some of them don't realize you got to do it in one breath. It doesn't make sense to take another breath and carry on. Awkward. The moment over. Okay, so, <laughs> I mean, I've done a considerable amount of research we on have. you in uh, my preparation really? for this. Right. So, something very interesting that I found is that you like to play sports every day. Something that one of your ex-colleagues, Minister mm-hmm. Josephine Teo, used to play is basketball. Do you think you'll beat her in a one-on-one in match basketball, of basketball? I'll lose to her, for sure. No oh. way, really? Oh. So, so, basketball's um, not a sport. Okay, it, it, I played seven sports. <gasps> uh, four very competitively. One for combined schools and eventually in the Premier League as well. Premier huh? League? Of what? Uh, Pre- hockey. Hockey. Oh, serious. Okay, okay. And Singapore used to be very good at hockey, by the way. Yeah. Right. No, but then um, now don't have you, that's why. <laughs> okay, so something that you've been doing nowadays that people might know of is that you're running for president. So mm. tell us why. Well, it's also about running. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Okay. okay. I don't like. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm not doing that. So why are you doing it? Actually, it was a very careful uh careful process of thinking through look, did this make sense for me and can I do Singapore good in this role? I had to right. think very hard about it. It just goes back a long way for me. All my life I've been interested in doing better for society. Part of the context is that I was never someone who paid much attention to my studies. Um, in school I had difficulty studying because I, I just couldn't concentrate. Same. I just same. couldn't concentrate. I literally we couldn't all cut from the same cloth. Yeah. Even when I went to university, I found it very hard to pay attention to to lectures. But I did my own stuff. I did my own study. I found my own study groups. um, And I was a student activist, uh, constantly thinking about how to raise awareness amongst others, very reform-minded, a little more radical at that time, but in a very serious way. So have you gone for protests? Um, I wasn't particularly interested in being at the front of the show and being the most exciting part of it on the streets and so on. Uh, I was someone who did a lot of the thinking, the talking, the persuading, the constantization. Um, So I wasn't in demonstrations, but I was very serious about wanting to understand society, understand whether there were alternatives that would give ordinary people a better deal. 
it was a very important part of my life. I also mm-hmm. met my wife at the same time because she was involved in the same circles. Mm-hmm. So sports and then student activism uh, through my 20s um, and continuing as a young adult to be oriented very much that way uh, shaped a lot of my thinking. I enjoyed my previous job. Yeah. I, I was very active, shifting the overall balance of policies to favour ordinary folk. But what was also very important was helping people individually and on the ground, mobilizing volunteers, mobilizing peer circles. Uh, a lot of it is behind the scenes in our policy thinking and policy formulation. The international roles I spent a lot of time on, I could have carried on. Yeah. Mm. I was very active. Mm. I was not so present publicly um, because I was deliberately wanting to provide full space to the 4G leaders to take charge and be the ones who led things in public. But I was very active behind the scenes. Um, I could have carried on. But I just felt at this point in time, we need a president who's going to be able to play that role in a much more challenging set of circumstances, both domestically as well as internationally especially. And I decided I should step forward. So how do you think running for president will help you do that better as compared to your previous role as Deputy Prime Minister? So my previous roles, education, finance, DPM, SM and so on, was a policy-making role. So I will no longer be able to do the policy-making as a president. That's very clear. But I'm going to dedicate a lot of time to supporting ground-up initiatives Mm. to help every disadvantaged group. And it's not about charity, you know, it's not about just being compassionate. It's actually about developing people. Mm. Developing young kids who start off with a disadvantage, it takes time. Uh, befriending someone who's a little bit lost, even midlife. You can't solve it by just giving someone a hamper. You've got to get to know them. You've got to get volunteers involved with them. So I feel that's extremely important. That dimension of my life, which is not new, it's been what I've been doing in Jurong for a long time, carries on, but I'm now going to be looking at it much more actively nationally. The president has full leeway to support ground-up initiatives, support civil society, support all these voluntary groups, so how do you think in general you performed at last night's debate? Uh, no, forum, sorry. I, I forum, never, yeah. yeah, I never really rate my, myself. I say what comes through my mind. Mm. Um, on most issues, of course, I have thought about these issues for a long time. They're not yeah. new to me. But you stress a lot. First, like the first question, mm. then your mic gonna mute. One of the most famous and popular Malaysian crimes of all time that until today people are still talking about it and I still yeah. feel in my dreams when I hear her name. Mazna Ismail. But most people would know her by the name Muna Fendi. This story was told far and wide, and based on all the rumors, we were scared shitless as kids to say her name. Muna. Muna Fendi. Fendi. Someone told me not to talk about this story. So you guys just watched some clips from our second episode of Gruesome Grub. Was there really a ghost on set? Well, you just had to watch and find out. Lah. The episode's already live on The Grubbies. And while you're there, just like, share, and subscribe. And now... Back to the episode. Are you stressed or not? First, like the first question, then your mic gonna mute. Uh, no, it was actually for that first one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, on my last two words, the mic faded, but uh, you could still hear me. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's true, it's true. And I, I was ending just there. For my subsequent <laughs> questions, I did okay. Yeah. yeah. I back seven seconds yeah. Like yeah. one time. No, either that or I was just right on the dot. Yeah. yeah. Was there anything you feel like you wish you did differently or mm. did better? I mean, th- there are impressions of all the different candidates, right? And I'm going to tell you yours. Like, I feel like you are you, you feel like the safe candidate, mm. right? 
is is there anything you wish you could have demonstrated on on the forum last night that you feel like maybe it's a, your personality didn't shine in, in that regard? I haven't reflected in detail about it, but right. I think seriously about everything that's put to me. Mm. Mm. So I'm I'm very rarely frivolous, and I usually speak with some knowledge of what I'm talking about. So speaking of never mm. being frivolous, how did you mm. come up with the pineapple logo? Yeah, <laughs> okay. I'd like to know the brainstorm. Oh, that's a very yeah. serious choice. I yeah. mean, the meeting. And what were the rejected ones? Yeah. In, no, in detail, were, please, in detail. The apple, nah. Yeah, there were several rejected ones. They were not all fruits, right? No, in <laughs> fact, fruits came very late in the day. Uh, there were types of flowers. Don't tell me it's orchid. It, it's a bamboo orchid. Okay. Oh, okay. And the bamboo orchid mm. is different from a normal orchid and it grows in the wild. It happens to grow quite well in Jurong as well. Okay. It's, it grows easily in our climate. Mm. And we went through quite detailed design work on the bamboo orchid. Um, <laughs> then we switched to different types of birds. Then the graphic designer. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> and then we were actually running out of time. Oh, okay. And then I started looking at fruit. And I must say that compared to all the other concepts where we, you know, I had a good group of people who were discussing this, young and old, and we would deliberate and never quite agree on on uh, any of the other concepts, you know, 40-60 yeah. or 2080. Mm. On the pineapple, <laughs> when I suggested it, within 10 seconds, everyone agreed. Wow. Everyone. No, no, we left it too. We yeah, left yeah. it too. But yeah. when we saw the three, when I saw the three, right, I was like, that's not yours. <laughs> yours is the hand one or something. There's something a bit more serious. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the pineapple. Speaking of your wife, um, <laughs> what is the abridged version of your love story? How do you guys... We met in London. Um, we were part of the same circle of friends. We didn't fall in love uh, suddenly or in any particular moment. We just got to know each other better and better and better. And uh, we just eventually realized that we would spend the rest of our lives together. No, but who like who first? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Asking the real question. And how you well, chase? We didn't chase each other either. It was just obvious that we were very good friends. Uh-huh. I feel that it was all <laughs> pretty equal all along. <laughs> we're going to get the truth from you. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> she thinks that she liked me before I liked her. Oh! Okay. And she has actually said so in one of these interviews recently. Right. Uh, but I, I'm not someone who shows my emotions very uh, overtly. Um, so I think it was pretty equal. Yeah, la, no one really asked. La, like, do you want to be my girlfriend? You just, you just actually, my parents also didn't. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. When yeah, I asked them this right, question, yeah. they also didn't. Right. They, they just decided to buy a house one day. Interesting. <laughs> and then you got to get marriage out of the way. Right. <laughs> yeah. It was so easy back then. Yeah. <sighs> well, for our grandparents, it was very often arranged. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can I ask an out of turn question? Sure. I think. Um, I think that's really out of turn. That's very good. I think many people, um, many people are asking the question when when there was a fourth generation renewal for the party, right? And people are saying uh, Taman for PM, mm-hmm. and and that didn't happen for whatever reason. I think it come out to say that there was not a role that you wanted as well, right? Um, and then now for presidency, what, um, where where do you think that that differs for you? That's part one of the question, right? And part two of the question would then be, um, is it th- did the party tell you to run? No. Uh, so on part one, there are two reasons. First, I knew myself, going back to my sports days, I was never the striker. Mm. It just wasn't my personality. I felt that we had a very good PM and I saw no reason why he needed to rush stepping down. That was my view, actually. Secondly, I saw it we had in our team young people who are also very good and who could be groomed up. Um, 
I would not have wanted to be a seat warmer in between two generations. Um, a president has a different role. A president's not a striker either. Quite lah. No, the president's not a striker Captain. either. The <laughs> <president's> <laughs> not, you, on some issues, the president is the goalkeeper when it comes to reserves. <laughs> that's that's true, that's true. Right? But that's a, a wrong metaphor because actually the president's not part of the same team. Yeah. Oh. Right? I like supporting activity on the ground. Secondly, um, there's the international dimension that's very important because I've been very active in my previous roles yep. in flying the Singapore flag internationally. I have international standing. Um, in a range of fields, and I think that's very useful for the presidency to have. Thirdly, um, all my experience in policy making on everything to do with reserves, as well as the other issues to do with the public sector, is extremely useful. Extremely useful. I won't be the finance minister, but I know everything inside out about reserves. Right. So it, there's no inconsistency at all between my not feeling that I was right, the right person for PM mm. right. and feeling that particularly at this point in time, uh, I can serve Singapore best at present. I, I believe that very deeply. Right. And 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 so the, the party didn't be like... They didn't push me to do, do it. Do you want to... No, they didn't push... Actually, the people who spoke to me about it most were from outside government right. for some right. time. Yeah, I think there, there was a social The same media people campaign. who wanted me to be PM yeah, yeah, yeah. Subsequently, <laughs> subsequently switched over and said, look, can you, can you please consider and The next best option. <laughs> <laughs> when you tendered yeah. your resignation, did Mr. Lee go like, ah, the one lah. <laughs> no, because a lot of people are commenting that your talents would be wasted in the role of president, which a lot of people view to be largely ceremonial and as right. a sort of figurehead. So maybe you could explain a bit about what you think would be the impact of the mm. presidential role. Right. Mm. So ceremonial is just a, a description of the traditional roles of the president, mm. which are both domestic and international. How you go about that role determines whether it is just artifice and ceremony or whether you're adding substance. Uh, I intend to add substance. The reason is because times are changing. The role has to evolve. And the thing that I feel very strongly about is there are too many of our kids who just grow up feeling they're nobodies. Mm. There's a quiet way in which some people just feel they're not so valued. They go to school, they're nobody. They come out, they're nobody. Uh, but they want to be somebody. And everyone can be somebody in Singapore. You've got to help them discover that strength in themselves when they're young it may not be what they eventually do or specialize in, but just discover a strength in yourself. It may be hip-hop. It may be that you're, you never knew you could play football as a girl, but when we put you to it and when we train you up, you come, become really good. And it just gives people confidence. Mm. It gives people confidence. And I feel giving confidence to those who've started off from behind uh, is extremely important. So that's one big area. One big area. Second... Everything to do with climate change, it involves government policy, carbon taxes, a whole set of, whole plethora of policies are involved. But ground up initiative is extremely important. It helps people rethink mm. how we live our lives. Fast fashion, types of food we eat, how much waste, lots of changes. And that's how a nation eventually adapts uh, to a, a changing world. We could all change our behavior. I'm just giving you examples of the types of ground-up initiative mm. 
yeah. that are not just about government policy, mm. but importantly, it's also about a broader change in culture. Mm. I think we need to deepen that culture of respect for people from all backgrounds, not based on how well they were doing academically, not based on those who in fact became successful, but just deepen that respect for everyone, for the skill they bring, for the jobs they do, and for the heart they're putting in to what they do. On a side note, right, you've spoken quite a bit about Jurong also, which you seem to love. And recently mm. on our podcast, we actually did an episode <laughs> where we ranked neighbourhoods in Singapore. Oh. So mm. out of that, Jurong actually ranked quite low, like around the <laughs> same as like Chachukang. Well, obviously, yeah. obviously a very poor survey and a very poor <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, set so of assessment criteria. If you could sell us on Jurong, right, what would you say would make Jurong the best, should be the best A-tier, S-tier neighbourhood in Singapore? Right. Actually... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Uh, uh, Currently, it's Siglap. Uh. So, no, so actually, must, the, the trouble Siglap. is people apply the Siglap and East prism mm. of what matters to Jurong. Oh. It doesn't matter in Jurong, all this stuff. Oh. <laughs> right? It doesn't matter in Jurong. Moment, Nothing matters I mean, I tell in Jurong. you, the moment you enter Taman Jurong, okay, uh. you turn from Bunle Way into Yuanqing Road, there's a set of casuarina trees. It's so like already, very wow. It's, uh. No, it's just <laughs> immediately calm. It's peaceful. Right. There's a calm vibe. It's true. People walk slower in the West. <laughs> I get annoyed. Maybe. You're just going to say, excuse me, excuse yeah. me. Yeah. Right. No, it's, there's just a calm vibe <laughs> and there's a humble vibe <laughs> about it. Right? right. They never start um, West Side, West Side, Chan. Uh, it's in fact a very interesting neighbourhood as well. And of course, now we've got Jurong Lake Gardens, which is going to be just such a wonderful place for everyone. But it's just an interesting neighbourhood. The food is actually much better than people think. I mean, Taman Jurong Hawker Centre, which I never stop talking about, is actually very good. They're just very good stalls. Um, and the prices are also, for some reason, slightly cheaper than some other places. So it's an interesting place. Not everyone needs to be in the most hip and exciting part of town because you can always visit that when you want. Mm. You but can it's visit so far. That. See, it's, like it's not so far, far at all. It's not far <laughs> at all. So, no, so I mean, that's the point. Yeah. People want but diversity in their lives. Doesn't mean that you stay in the place where you want to be on Saturday night. Yeah, 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 not yeah, in fact, yeah. you may not want to stay in the place where you That's why I say about Pongo. Exactly what I say. Good point. Yeah, right. Now, by the way. Okay, anyway. I'm slightly more convinced on Jurong now, by the way. Yeah. No, the point is you can't apply the same ranking criteria to every neighbourhood. That's why people are angry in that comment section. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> okay, anyway, back to the more proper Ooh, things. Mm. <laughs> so, you've also mentioned as part of your campaign that voters should assess each candidate on what they have contributed to society. But you've talked little about actually what you've done in all your years in service as well. So, what were maybe some notable policies that you had worked on that people might not be aware of? Mm. Okay. So, I mean, my whole purpose in entering politics and entering government was first, I entered politics because I wanted to be on the ground, but my job was that of a technocrat. I became the managing director of the MES, mm. right? That was my last position. I 
was lucky that I was able to serve my first long stint as a minister in education for mm. five years. In fact, before that, when I was in the civil service, I was given a choice uh, to go to any ministry I wanted to. Lim Chiang oh. Wan called me up because they were asking me to join the admin service. Um, this was, in fact, after my OSA case. Right. Mm. And um, uh, it was a sure sign of the way the system actually viewed me yeah. within the civil service that after the OSA case, some months after, they asked me, would you like to join the admin service? Right. Um, my integrity was never in question. And he gave me a full, f full choice. And I said, I'd like to be in education. I'd spent my entire career in the MAS, the central bank, as a chief economist, looking at a whole set of economic and financial issues. But I wanted to be in the Ministry of Education. And that's actually when a reform process started, freeing up the system, which we started with what I would view as quite a rigid streaming system. Streaming early in primary school and then all the way through secondary school, plus ranking schools based on academic performance. And I started dismantling that. I got rid of primary school streaming, did it in two steps, first combining what we called EM1 and EM2, mm. and then getting rid of EM3 and doing away with the whole system. Started actually in secondary school, between express stream, normal academic and normal technical, creating movement between them. Um, and I told the schools to experiment, see how well it is being done, gives you a confidence, gives the teachers confidence, and then you move boldly. So for instance, we now have subject-based banding in secondary schools, and we don't have streaming anymore, right? It started actually in my time. Oh. Dunman Secondary School, I remember this, decided from Sec 1, all their normal academic students will take mathematics at express stream level. Wow. They supported the students, let's try it. And when they got to Sec 4 and took their express stream maths O levels, 40% of that group had distinctions. Wow. wow. Right? So it just showed that putting people within a stream where they think they are weak in everything limits them. In mm. fact, they may be strong in something and weak in something else. And very few people are weak in everything. Yeah. And very few people are actually strong in everything. Mm. So the streaming system was too rigid. And we are now mo we've moved to a more fluid system. But never assuming that your potential is fixed at any point in time. Right. And that was something I believed in from my conversations with the teachers and the principals. I also believed in it from my own experience in life. It's so interesting because uh, like you started off like didn't even like studying. Then somehow you become <laughs> education minister. And then right. after it kind of came full circle because of your But experience. I never told people when I was an education minister <laughs> about that fact, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I, I never did. I can talk about it now, but yeah, I yeah. just felt it would demoralize the principals <laughs> and teachers. I never wanted to say that. Yes. It's a set of changes which I feel are very important. Secondly, just opening up new pathways. Um, you know, for people who are very good at sports, very good at arts, very good at science and maths, setting up specialized schools and yeah. eventually science and technology. I established Northlight and Assumption oh. Pathway. Wow, okay. It's also a different pathway, right? Yeah. Mm. First Northlight, and then because I realized it was too far for students in the West to get there and they weren't turning up for school or they were coming late, we set up Assumption Pathway as well in the West. And those two are also an alternative way in which people can advance, they can progress after failing their PSLE but it has to be a very different system. Mm. So mm. having a more flexible and broader system of meritocracy is something I believe deeply in. 
Um, and there are, of course, many other changes I'm not talking about, but it has then cascaded. So mm. I feel that educational policy is still at the core of what Singapore is about, both socially and economically. I think we've made major moves. Once I moved into finance and was very involved in um, uh, reforming our uh, other policies, uh, it was all consistent. So, for instance, we introduced workfare, which has subsequently been enhanced significantly, introduced the progressive wage model, introduced silver support for the older folk who've had lives of low pay and now don't have enough in retirement. It's a whole set of changes, but if you sum it all up, it was a tilt. It was a tilt in the broad set of educational, social and economic policies to help provide more support for those who start with less and provide more help even in old age for those who, for whatever reasons, have ended up with less. Mm. It's a tilt towards the low-income group and to some extent the middle-income group. And that tilt is something I've believed in for a long time and I've played a very active role in shaping policies. Okay, so I, I guess I, I we have to address the elephant in the room, right? I think when you announce your, your presidential candidate, I think Singapore, by and large, are really excited that you did. Um, but I feel like right now the voting pool it's is looking at voting for other people as a safe way to show unhappiness to the ruling party to a certain extent, right? To, to give them a little FU. So there's, there's some element of political motivation, mm. I think, uh, for some in the electorate yep. and certainly amongst the candidates. Um, it's not surprising to me. Not everyone has understood that the presidency is not a political contest. It's a contest between individuals who have to serve in a capacity that is well above politics. Even to say that I've never been a member of a political party, you have been, therefore you're not suitable, is a political argument. Mm. It's a political argument mm. and an opportunistic one. We should just present what we are bringing to the table, how we are going to serve Singaporeans, reflect, talk about our own track records have people examine what we've done over time, how we have stood our ground or not stood our ground over time. And my life is an open book. That's what the contest should be about. So but we lose sight of it with all these abstract arguments about whether you're a member of a political party, whether you've been a finance minister before, etc. These are just politically opportunistic arguments. I'm still running on my track record, being in politics in the last 22 years, is a huge positive because I would not otherwise have been so experienced on the ground in getting people to uplift themselves, helping them through their problems and just bonding people. I wouldn't have had all that policy experience. It was all there because I was in politics. Is it a negative? No, it's a positive. Mm. Now, it would be a negative if I was someone who by nature was politically partisan or if I'm someone who by nature is a yes man. But everyone knows I've just never been a yes man. The fact is, the opposition has always known it. And that's why Paul Tambaya said I should be a PM for an opposition alliance. And he's now trying to retract from it. Right. Okay. Nice. Lo Tia Kyung knew it. Even Pritam knows it. I'm someone who has views of my own, has convictions of my own. Mm. Even when I made that speech about Jameis Lim and Monopoly of Co Compassion, yeah. I gave him credit, you know and said, I, I respect where he's coming from, intellectually and, and morally. What people don't realise, however, 
is before a policy comes to parliament, hmm. when it's being deliberated on in government and we are working it hmm. out, they don't realize how much disagreement there is. <laughs> right. <laughs> And okay, so who always argue with you? <laughs> no, that's been the case. It goes all the way back to Lee Kuan Yew's time. Right. It's not as if we all come and read a paper and says, yes, let's agree. We have extensive debate. And that's actually a strength of the system, that people with individual viewpoints sort out those viewpoints and find the consensus. And the consensus today is different from five years ago, different from 10 years ago. We've shifted on many issues. Right. I've been really privileged to be part of that debate. <laughs> People know where I come from usually because they know my leanings. Uh, we sometimes even make jokes about it because everyone everyone knows which way I lean. So this part is for Mr. Taman, okay? My next <laughs> no, no, I mean, on any issue basically, well, none of us are sort of fixed ideologically. Right. Yeah. But we have our leanings, yeah. right? And it's not as if that debate is something where, okay, let's spend one hour debating it and then we'll agree and that's it. Right. If we don't come to an agreement, we just carry on. It becomes mm. two hours. We can go late into the right. evening. And if we still can't agree, we come back one or two weeks later. So we are very serious about airing differences of views mm. and sorting it out, even if it's not a full consensus. Some consensus right. on, okay, we'll move with this position first. Right. And sometimes knowing that we will save some further moves for later. They need to film this okay. behind the scenes. No, yeah. Me. I mean, if maybe you're here, right? <laughs> <laughs> Do some of it in parliament lah. So like, I think it's been, it's uh, it's usually broadcasted on YouTube nowadays, right? Gov.org. But I think not enough Singaporeans tune in to that's like probably the parliamentary. True. Oh, that's probably no, true. No, most of yeah. it is boring. Yeah. I tried. Yeah, people <laughs> wait for like the TikTok boring. and it's yeah. always the most sensational like moments right. that get clipped out. I have a very busted question. Eh? This one came from my Instagram. Eh? Okay. Oh, so okay. on our episode of of um, this, this series with presidential candidate Tan, mm. um, he claimed that he and his wife up on the wall, the picture is is the nicest of all, all three presidential candidates. Right. Yeah, Wait, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> I would really rather not comment on these things. <laughs> 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 Yala, John. Yala. Yala, you're talking to us. <laughs> that was the which, best which, response. Whichever way I answer it, it was it will not be good. <laughs> <laughs> He's been trying very hard to psych himself up yeah, to get yeah, ready yeah, to okay. ask this question. You got more hard ones or not? <laughs> So I think as a closing, right, maybe you can like pitch yourself a bit, right? What do you think is something that you can offer to Singapore that the other candidates cannot? I felt they all brought something, you know. Mm-hmm. They all had interesting life stories. Some had very distinct strengths. Um, Kok Song was an investment manager, very distinct strengths. Um, they all bring something. Tan Kalian grew NTUC income. So I respect them. Um, the difference with me, and it's really been just my privilege to have served in so many ways in different areas, unlike them, you see. I'm the only one who's really served on the ground for a long time and actually made changes on the ground and changed people's lives. That's the first thing. I've had a much broader international leadership role than any of them, and I'm held in high regard internationally. But even on reserves, I'm actually the one who has the deep and broad knowledge on reserves Mm. because the knowledge of reserves that are needed for the presidency are not to do with investment management. The president does not get involved at all in international management. The knowledge of reserves has to do with the use of reserves by the government, which is an MOF and government matter. Mm. How How do you use your investment income that you get from reserves 
how do you use the reserves in a major crisis when you have to draw on it, like we've done twice so far? Even though I was chairing the Investment Strategies Committee, I'll say that part was not relevant. Mm. The part that's relevant is the MOF, DPM, SM part. Right. I understand the whole system of reserves inside out. Mm. And that's relevant. So on all three counts, my ground experience, my international standing and experience, and my knowledge of what really matters on reserves, I, I'm distinctive. Mm. It's actually my whole life, you know. From my youngest days until now, possibly my motivation is just been to serve Singaporeans. When I say serve Singaporeans, I mean especially those who have less and less chances in life. I've never been particularly interested in party politics. Everyone knows that. I've never been actively involved in party politics, but I served in government and it was my privilege to serve in government. And my purpose was to reform policies and to serve on the ground to help Singaporeans. It's just been about Singaporeans all along. And that's it. Okay, so with that, we've come to the end of our four-part presidential series. And thank you very much, Mr. Tama, for joining us today. Tomorrow, <laughs> we'll be releasing a summary episode of our thoughts on all the presidential candidates so far. So, so like, share, too. subscribe, and we'll see you tomorrow. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Happy voting. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.